On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model S appears to have some new aerodynamic wheels on the way. A whopping 10 new V3 supercharging stations are getting set to open across North America. The in-car V10 software is rolling out wide and includes a couple of features that weren't previously announced and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 217 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for September 29th, 2019. Yes, it is the end of the quarter. I'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, I did have a wonderful birthday weekend. Thanks to all of you very kind folks who sent me nice birthday wishes over the past week. I super appreciate it because, you know, it's it's nice to have uh, your birthday acknowledged. It's, 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 everybody gets it their day, one, one a year, you know. Anyway, uh, volunteering is back. The end of the quarter, and the, uh, the the Tesla owners volunteer efforts to assist with deliveries in the manner of you know helping onboard the new owners with their new cars as they take delivery. I have done that a couple of times, and then it and then they uh, at least locally here Tesla stopped uh, wanting help for for a, two or three quarters. So it is back on now for Q3, and I, I would expect probably Q4 as well, just to, a guess. I don't actually know anything about that, but uh, we do expect a big quarter here. Tesla does. So, yeah, it was nice to hear from my local owner's club, which is the uh, Tesla Owner's Club of Silicon Valley, that, hey, oh, Tesla's uh, happy to have some owner volunteers come in and, and help out the new owners as they get familiar with their new cars. So, I will be there. Uh, I guess by the time most of you hear this, it'll have already happened. I signed up for the afternoon on Saturday, which will be uh, this, you know, yesterday for <laughs> if you're listening on the day the show is released. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. I have had such a good time doing that. Uh, well, I guess it was last year. It was last Q3 and Q4 where I, uh, I went down there a few times, and, and the Tesla staff has been tremendous when I've gone down there. It's just, again, it's, you know, you're, I remember my delivery day and how excited I was, and now, and to, you know, to go help out and just be a small part of seeing that and, and helping, uh, you know, fertilize that seed, water that, that seed for somebody else, uh, as they, you know, their, their Tesla ownership is just taking root. They've just planted it and to help them, you know, get excited about their new car. It's a lot of fun. So looking forward to getting out to the Tesla, pardon me, the Fremont delivery center tomorrow. And, you know, Hey, if, if you are taking delivery during the big end of quarter push, uh, let me just tell you, congratulations. Cause you know, it's, there are always a lot of cars being delivered at the end of the quarter. Some of you may be in that boat. Uh, maybe you've been waiting a little while, or maybe you did just decide you just recently ordered and are gonna gonna get your delivery prior to the end of September here and the end of Q3. So, congrats if you are about to become a new Tesla owner. And you know, I'd like to add one other note on a on a you know the other side of that coin, and that is this: just a big thank you to the entire Tesla team. And I mean that with so much sincerity. We all appreciate you, everybody listening to this podcast, all of us Tesla owners and Tesla fans, Tesla enthusiasts. You know, I'm, 
I'm well aware uh, how tough the end of a quarter crunch can be for Tesla. I mean, I, I've, I've seen it when helping out with, uh, with deliveries in, in previous quarters, and I've heard about it from Tesla employees. You know, it's, it's a big push. You know, it's a big deadline, big milestone. The, the entire team top to bottom is doing everything that it can to get as many cars delivered as possible. In fact, Elon mentioning this week that they've got a chance for this to be their very first 100,000 car quarter, 100,000 cars delivered. So, you know, just just want to take a quick second here before I get going with the rest of the show to send out a, a word of support, a word of appreciation, and a word of encouragement to the entire Tesla team. If you work for Tesla and you listen, you're listening to this right now, you rock for, for uh, just busting your tail all the time, but especially here at the end of the quarter. All right, let's get to the news because there is plenty of it. Once again, as with most weeks, there is generally a lot of neat stuff to talk about in the world of Tesla. And I begin with some possible new wheels on the way for the Model S. They're called Sonic Silver Tempest. The credit here goes to the Tesla Motors Reddit user uh, by the name of Blake TQ, who posted this after finding it in the drop-down listing for wheels in the wheel configuration menu, which is in the software section of the main menu. Uh, this, I believe, if I read it correctly, it was uh, on his loaner car while his was in for service. And it, he put up, there's pictures of them and everything. And they're, so they're basically, they're 19-inch. They're basically 19-inch aero wheels for the Model S with a bit of a sportier design, I would say, subjectively, than the aero wheels on the Model 3. They have seven blades, if you can kind of picture that. I would presume that they are more efficient than the already darn efficient 19-inch slipstream wheels that have been coming on the Model S by default for the last, I think, about... Three, three and a half years is when the slipstreams came into play. And, you know, seeing this, I, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, are, are these wheels going to be for all markets or are they going to be maybe like the 19-inch the performance aero wheels that are on the Chinese P3Ds in that, you know, are these, these uh, Sonic Silver Tempest just going to be for China or just going to be for North America or just going to be for Europe. You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure. There is, you know, you never quite know the the reasoning, the, the logic behind Tesla's thinking necessarily of, of maybe one territory versus another. But um, more importantly, wherever they end up showing up, if they are more efficient than the slipstreams, there's something interesting to think about here. And that is what they might add range-wise to a Model S. Now, remember, the, the, the long-range Model S, non-performance, has, has an EPA rating of 370 miles, a very, very long-range car, the longest-range electric vehicle currently on the market, uh, and cur the current record holder for a production electric vehicle car, I might add. And let's say it, these new wheels add 5% over the slipstreams. And I think and I think that's a reasonable guess, a reasonable amount. I think more than that might be a little wishful thinking. Maybe it's going to be less than that, but let's say 5%. On a 370-mile range car, 
that would be a rather impressive 18 or so miles, pushing the total range up to around 388 miles. Not quite 400. Now, maybe Tesla has, maybe they cooked up these wheels specifically to try and get enough of, a, of an aerodynamic boost and a range, you know, an efficiency increase to nudge up to 400 miles of EPA rated range. That would take, I mean, they'd have to be pretty darn efficient for that. They would have to add, uh, on, again, on top of the slipstreams, which are what's on the car that's rated for 370 miles, you know, it would be about uh, less than 10%, maybe like a eight or 9% increase over the slipstreams to touch uh, to touch 400 miles, but it is possible. That might be possible. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on this to see whether or not we hear anything official about these wheels anytime soon. I mean, I, I wonder if somebody on Tesla's software team maybe slipped up a little bit and these weren't supposed to be listed in a consumer-facing version of the software, which, by the way, was 32.2.2 according to uh, Blake on Twitter there who had, who had posted, or excuse me, Blake on Reddit who had posted this, which was the current wide release version until V10 started rolling out this week, which I'm going to talk more about in a couple minutes. Uh, the next excellent, most uh, interesting story, fun story of this week, which is going to make everybody happy, comes courtesy of Electrek, a hat tip there, 10 Ten new V3 superchargers are now under construction and should thus be opening in the fairly near-term future. And those ten are scattered around not just the United States, but also North America. We've got some Canada in here as well. We've got Clearwater, Florida, Lynchburg, Virginia, Vienna, Virginia, Madison, Connecticut, and the note is one on the north, one uh, on the northbound and one on the southbound uh, side of, I guess, wherever the location is, Meriden, Connecticut, and then out here in California, Santa Rosa, which is up on the North Bay, and Stockton as well. Meanwhile, let's head up to Canada for these last three. These will help out if you are driving across Canada. You've got Davidson in Saskatchewan, Dryden in Ontario and Salt St. Marie in Ontario as well. So I really hope that this is the breaking of the dam on V3, that, that this is the dam is burst and it's just going to be a flood of, v, of new and upgraded V3 superchargers. Because, you know, uh, the, the first station rolled out, gosh, what was that, uh, March or April or so, if memory serves, you know, earlier this year. We had, and that was the the, the test site, all, you know, not not in Fremont, down the street from the factory, but not at the factory. And then the Tesla Fremont factory was upgraded to have eight V3s and four V. Uh, they left four V2s there. So you had Fremont, uh, the test site closed to the public, and then you had a couple in one or two in Hawthorne in Los Angeles at the Tesla Design Center, which is, of course, where SpaceX is located as well. So uh, that was it. But then you'll remember that, uh, was it a month or two ago now, the V3 supercharger, the big one in Las Vegas, 
So that that opened up. That was the first real, real big V3 station. And now here we go with 10 new V3s that are on the way. So, um, you know, again, the, the Model Y is coming. And and not and I what I am driving at there is that this is Tesla's second high volume car. I mean, the things are already at least here in California, things can get pretty busy at superchargers both in town and on the interstates. So the Model Y is coming in about a year from now or so. And as it ramps up, that's just going to create additional traffic at the superchargers. In fact, if you want to break it down, right now, just before Model Y, there are 7,000-plus Teslas being pumped out every single week. Now, obviously, they're not all going to the same place. They're not all going to California. They're, they're being spread out not only all over the, the, the country, but all over North America and, in fact, all over the world. You know, they're heading to Europe as well. So, you know, they're not all being concentrated in one place. But nevertheless, 7,000-plus cars a week now Fast forward one year from now as the Model Y starts to ramp and that, you know, that could easily turn into 12,000 cars a week, maybe upwards of 15,000 cars a week as, as the Gigafactory 3 and Shanghai uh, production comes online. So um, now, of course, again, those cars will be just for that territory. So maybe not quite a, a fair to lump that in, but you see my point. And that is, the more V3 superchargers we can get going, the better. Tesla obviously knows that. I'm not sitting here <laughs> making any kind of grand revelation. But uh, yeah, those, those V3 chargers are going to become very, very important in the coming year, two years, and beyond because it will allow so many more cars to get in and out of the superchargers. But nevertheless, I, I love this story. I love that there's 10 more on the way, hopefully... Plenty more uh, in, in, not, in the not-too-distant future behind that, but good stuff there. Next this week, V10 of the in-car software. It has begun rolling out wide this week, as promised. In fact, I just received mine today. Had a little bit of a chance to play with it. I will tell you about that shortly, but uh, it's got a few new features that hadn't previously been covered. Just wanted to point these out car wash mode which i'm not actually sure if car wash mode is in v10 or if it's going to be a 10.1 thing justin sheets is the listener who i'm tipping my cap to for this justin pointed this out in a freeze frame on the official tesla social media video that that announced the release of v10 and in that video a bunch of features scroll by super fast in text form and he paused it and and caught that one of them uh, you could make out it clearly said car wash mode now i would presume that that's going to keep everything quiet meaning like sort of mechanically the, the mirrors etc from folding from moving and it'll I would imagine also keeps the car in neutral while it's going through an automatic car wash. We'll see if it's if it's indeed got any anything else beyond that, but that's cool to see. That is something that the community has asked for. That's something that's come up before. So that's great to see. Uh, now there's the uh, 
the also uh, new upgrade came to the Tesla app itself, whether you're on iOS or Android. Version 3.10 of the Tesla app now includes the ability to open, close, or vent your windows remotely via the app. And that's another one that has been asked for for the community for quite a while now. So great news there. Uh, for those of you in winter climates, the app now has a max defrost setting, which uh, again should come in handy here as we as we head back into out of the summer and into the chillier weather. So uh, that one will set the front, but not rear, the front defroster to max, as well as the cabin heat to max as well. So the idea there is to just get everything defrosted, heated up, and ready to go as quickly as possible. Furthermore, you can... So we, we knew about the Tesla theater, talked about that last week with, with Netflix and YouTube. Well, first of all, Hulu is also in there, also supported. That's super cool. But uh, a feature that I actually think is going to be very useful is that you can send videos to the Tesla theater via your phone. So uh, the idea here is it's a lot. It's usually going to be a lot quicker to dig up YouTube videos that you're looking for and and things, uh, uh, you know, related things on your phone than it is punching it in on the Tesla screen. So in the same way that you can currently send an address to your car's navigation system and have it pop right up with your directions, you can now do, you'll be able to do that with YouTube videos as well and, se and sending videos to the Tesla theater. So I think this is just a, this is, I don't want this one to go overlooked. I think this is an awesome little quality of life feature from the Tesla team here and I, for one, am grateful for it. Another one that you'll, you might not think about, but you'll probably notice is that if you're someone that likes to stream audio from your phone through the car's Bluetooth, through the car's sound system via Bluetooth, uh, you know, you, you know, you probably have noticed that there's a bit of a volume discrepancy, a little bit of an audio quality discrepancy between doing that versus listening to things natively straight through the car, like, you know, via Slacker. And uh, while that gap will narrow, if not hopefully even eliminate now, the sampling rate for audio that's streamed from your phone has now been bumped up to 48 kilohertz, which is great to see, better quality audio. So if you, you know, maybe you do... Um, well, I, like I, for one, am, do Pandora. I'm a big Pandora user. And I do occasionally run it through Bluetooth and, and play it in the car. So that should sound better. Now, I actually didn't get a chance to test it out today on my way home, but um, that's still, that's great news. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you do a Sirius XM, you do this podcast, if you potentially, if you just have it downloaded rather than getting it through the car. There's, there's all sorts of great stuff you can listen to through your phone that, that you can't necessarily get natively through the car. So now that will be a better experience. Speaking of audio in the car, the big one, Spotify. It is in V10. It is here. Now, uh, I am personally curious, though I want to just point out it, it ultimately doesn't matter, but I am curious 
if Tesla's seemingly exclusive streaming deal with Slacker has come to an end, or if it has been amended, or if Tesla's just adding Spotify as an additional option and Slacker either can't or won't do anything about it and or they just don't super care. You know, they just, <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're just Tesla's just adding another option and, and that's that. But regardless, I just love seeing more options in the car. You know, I, I mentioned SiriusXM a moment ago. I certainly wouldn't mind if Tesla is willing to, I don't know if they're going to entertain any more official, you know, in-car options, but I certainly would not mind having a SiriusXM, actually, they they bought Pandora, so now it's like Sirius XM Pandora. I'd love to have that option via the the you know the car because and you might and you might be thinking, wait, well, what are you what are you talking about? That's satellite radio. There is a subscription. You can just listen to Sirius XM through their app and just get it over cellular over over uh, LTE. So um, the Teslas can do that. So even if Tesla doesn't want to put a physical satellite radio antenna in the cars, which they haven't been doing for a while now, it, I'd certainly love to see them offer the ability to sign in to uh, a SiriusXM account and listen straight to there. That would be that would be nice. Now, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> get too far ahead. I Spotify is great. That's an that's an awesome. It's the first official new audio option ever, you know, because it's always been slacker and slacker alone. With the big caveat, I know those of you are in Europe right now are, are yelling at me. <laughs> Wait, we've had Spotify over here forever. Yes, Europe has been has been gifted with Spotify this whole time, but here in here in North America, uh, this is the first new option for us. And uh, as I mentioned, I did get it today. And I, just a couple of quick observations for me. This is an, a very small sample size. I drove it. Uh, I had to run an errand with a coworker, and then I just came. I drove home. So those were two fairly short trips. But what I did notice on both of those little uh, mini trips is uh, an improvement to at least one specific area of autopilot that had previously. I would say been a mild annoyance to me, nothing, nothing drastic, nothing that made me want to disengage it or not use it or what. But uh, for me, and I, I suspect this probably applies to a lot of you, if you're in the right-hand lane on the freeway and you, you drive by an, a place where an on-ramp is merging into your lane, the lane naturally, you know, the lane marking on the right side gets widens out to uh, you know to accommodate the the oncoming the the new merging traffic that's coming onto the freeway and in previous versions of autopilot the car would kind of work its way to the center of that rather than just stay straight keep going and hug the you know the the left side of the left the leftmost dashed lines because that, you know, the right side, eventually that's going to just close off and continue become a normal lane again. Well, on uh, I, I went by the same uh, one of those merging on-ramp lanes twice today, and it's one that I go by every day. So I went by it two more times today since getting V10, and both times the car did a great job of just 
ignoring the widening lane and just staying straight, uh, you know, tracking the that that left those left lane lines rather than worrying about the right ones. So that to me, that is a really nice little quality of life improvement. Really, really like seeing that. Uh, and then the other thing I will add, and if you've already, if you've gone on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, same as my Twitter, you may have already seen this, but I did on the errand with a coworker get a chance to test out Smart Summon. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed. I mean, I had, I wouldn't say I had low expectations for it, but I also wouldn't say I had super high expectations. Like I wasn't super excited that it was going to be this incredible groundbreaking thing, but I also wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to be useless and terrible. It was just kind of, you know, pretty tempered expectations. So I purposely parked uh, a little, you know, just a little bit away, ways away, not too far. It wasn't a big parking lot anyway, which you'd see if you if you check it out on Insta, uh, yeah, Instagram. Anyway, long story short, I pulled in forward to a spot, you know, on the other side of the of the lane, you know, and, and sure enough, I, I came out, I was standing on the, the sidewalk, uh, out, out in front of the store we were at and I activated smart summon and it backed up right away. I like to, it went right away. It didn't like take five, 10 seconds to wake up and get in gear. It went right away. Uh, it backed out like a, like a normal person would and then pulled forward and came towards me at a, you know, it wasn't quick, but it was a, it was a decent enough little clip that it, you know, it was, it was moving decently. Uh, now the only thing where the only time it got weird, which some commenters, some fans, some of you guys pointed out to me on Instagram was probably actually what was happening. And I didn't realize it at the time. So it's, it's, it's approaching me. It's coming up to me. And then it it turned as if it was going to exit because it was like it was turning literally towards the exit to the entire parking lot. I'm like, is it going back to my house without me? What's going on? But no, seriously, it's what what people pointed out to me. It was probably going to back into the parking space that I was stand the empty parking space that I was standing right in front of. Now, of course, I could go test this again. I could I could go back to the exact same parking lot and just run the test again and see if that is what it was doing. But yeah, I, I was pretty impressed with it. It was a pretty neat thing. I, I think I will, I will give this a try when, when uh, the situation dictates it. Here in San Francisco, everything's pretty tight, pretty small. We don't have a lot of like big parking lots. It's everything's pretty, pretty crammed in and tight. So I don't know how day-to-day useful it's going to be for me personally but um i know in general most places aren't like san francisco and i suspect this will be of of uh not only valuable use to you but fun it'll be a fun thing for you to use as well there was a car uh there were there were two two ladies in a car with their windows down parked um kind of closer to me but but in you know they were kind of across from the model 3 so i was i was just watching them to make sure like oh i hope they're not going to back back up straight into my model 3 but thankfully they were just sitting there and they as the car backed up came to me and then and then as i'm walking toward the car they 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 said 
they were asking me about it. I was like, did that just do that by itself? And I was like, yeah, I just got it today. And they, they were very nice about it. So it was pretty cool to, uh, to have a little audience for that. But there you go. So my, and then of course, Cuphead's in there. You, I hope you enjoyed, by the way, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Maya Moldenhauer from Studio MDHR, the Cuphead development team. I hope you enjoyed that last week. I, I really had fun talking to her. You know, I've, I've spoken to her a number of times before in the context of my regular job uh, about Cuphead, certainly, but it was really fun for me to talk to her about Cuphead, but in the context of Tesla. So, you know, that, that was all new information for me, everything she was telling me, telling, you know, that you heard on the interview last week. So really hope you enjoyed that. And uh, thank you again to Maya for taking time to come on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to see if I, maybe I find some time over the weekend to do some karaoke, give that a go. But I, I would absolutely love to hear from all of you guys on what you think of V10, what your favorite new features are. So you can call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline, uh, which I'll give you the, the call-in information for later on in the show if you don't already have it memorized at this point. But anyway, that is V10, and it is good stuff. Super, super excited. Kudos again to the Tesla software team who have probably been working, not probably, they've definitely been working super hard on this and probably for quite some time. You know, the, a big release like this, um, I'm no software engineer, but I, I would suspect this is not a release they cobbled together in a, in a week or two. You know, I suspect they've been working on V10 for quite some time. So uh, big kudos, big shout out of appreciation to the entire Tesla software team. This V10 is a winner. Uh, speaking of winners, uh, I'd like to, to declare a gentleman by the name of uh, Depeswar Doli. I hope I'm pronouncing his first name correct. I think he's a winner. So this report comes via CNBC with an extra shout out to Ride the Lightning listener Rod Simmons, who sent this to me. I had not seen this. Rod flagged it for me. The first gas station in this country to ditch oil, uh, aka gasoline, for 100% electric vehicle charging has opened in Maryland, specifically Tacoma Park, which I had to look at a map because I don't know that area. It's uh, out just outside of DC, not too far from Bethesda, Maryland. So um, Tacoma Park, Maryland, uh, and uh, Depeswar Doli, owner of this gas station since 1997. So I'm going to read you the C or a part of the CNBC report. He said he was already unhappy with the way oil and gasoline companies structure their contracts, such as limiting the use of multiple suppliers, including clauses that extend contracts when a certain volume of sales is not met and limiting maintenance support. These business factors all, uh, already were pushing him to consider other options. A nudge from his daughter was the final step in convincing Mr. Doley to make the switch to EV charging. He says, quote, My daughter, who is 17, she's the one who convinced me after I told her that I was going to talk to the Electric Vehicle Institute guys, Doley said. A public works manager for the city of Tacoma Park first suggested to Doley a conversation with the EVI. Uh, when he told his daughter about the idea, she said, Dad, that's a real good suggestion. Dolly said he's not too worried about how the switch will change his business income. Dolly saying, quote, 
You notice there are not too many electric vehicles on the road, so it's not something that I expect to become rich overnight or something like that, but it's a good cause and good for the environment, end quote. CNBC noting there are more than 20,700 registered electric vehicles in Maryland, and the area also has an electric taxi service in need of more chargers for their business. The gas station conversion was jointly funded by the Electric Vehicle Institute and the Maryland Energy Administration, which provided a grant of $786,000. So, uh, Mr. Doley and your daughter, uh, I salute you. I think I just love this story. And I'm going to echo what uh, what Rod, a list listener to this show, said in his email when he sent this to me, because I, I 100% agree with him, and that is this. I would love to see a local Tesla club over there. Have them, you know, I'd love to see you guys set up an event at that station. We can't call it a gas station anymore. At that charging station. And you know, do it in cooperation with Mr. Doley or you know, or organize a, an EV rally there or both. You know, make it <laughs> they can both be one and the same thing. Personally, if I were in the area, I would really want to support this guy's efforts with my business. So I, you know, I'm never one to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do with their time, with their money, but I certainly would politely encourage all of you DC area Tesla owners to stop by uh, Mr. Doley's place sometime. And I hope we see more gas station owners make this switch as time goes on. It's uh it might be might end up being you know, forward-thinking stuff, and and maybe a maybe a business-saving move, and as as time goes on. Unfortunately, I do have to end with a not super fun story. We've had a lot of fun so far this week, but uh, this one not so great. The New Jersey Coalition of Automotive Retailers, aka NJ Car, uh, nice clever acronym by those guys. Well, they're suing Tesla. The story was reported by Tesla Roddy, who writes, In a filing submitted on Wednesday to the New Jersey State Superior Court, the New Jersey car called for legal action against the electric car maker for what it alleged were violations of multiple laws. At the center of the dealer association's lawsuit against Tesla is the EV maker's expanding presence in the state. In 2015, I probably covered it on the show, that's the year I got started, New Jersey allowed Tesla to operate four direct sales locations, note direct sales locations, a rule that the coalition argues was violated when Tesla decided to open a fifth location in the form of a gallery. According to the auto dealers, the fifth location's distinction as a gallery does not mean anything since the electric car maker conducts sales-related actions in the location. Yes, sales-related actions. Interested customers, for example, could configure their vehicle orders in the gallery. The dealer association also alleged that the state failed to enforce consumer protection laws when Tesla pulled a, quote, bait-and-switch with the Model 3 by announcing a $35,000 variant of the vehicle and later encouraging its customers to purchase more expensive versions of the electric sedan. Lastly, the New Jersey car also accused Tesla of uh, misleading consumers by describing its autopilot system as a, quote, self-driving solution 
and listing incentives and estimated gas savings in its vehicle pricing. Quote, there is simply no justifiable basis for the state to continue to permit Tesla's conduct here. This is obviously this quote is coming from uh, NJ Carr. <laughs> Uh, when taken together, the actions made it uh, make it clear that state defendants have chosen to actively ignore Tesla's unlawful acts and have permitted them to continue, uh, the coalition wrote in its complaint. Well, thank you, Tesla Roddy, for reporting that story. Okay, items number two and three here, I think, are probably going to be very easily swatted down by Tesla's lawyers. Because, so number one, the $35,000 Tesla still exists, still exists, uh, and their, their complaint in the first place of, of pushing people to more expensive versions, yeah, that's literally what every single car dealer that, they're, that they represent does. <laughs> they're, they're always trying to get you to spend more money. Uh, and that's also, it's not a crime to do that. It's not against any regulation. So I'm not, I, I think that one's easily dismissed. Uh, by the way, on a similar note, uh, car prices and option packages and vehicle trims change all the time for every manufacturer. So I don't think they have a leg to stand on there. As for the self-driving complaint, well, what the, uh, what the system can and can't do and how it should and shouldn't be used are all very clearly laid out right in the Tesla Design Studio. And it should be noted on the, on the sort of price complaint there, or the, the sort of price listing, Tesla no longer factors in the gas savings and the incentives into the big, bold price on the page. They do show you the actual retail price. The, the savings and incentives are there, but they've Tesla's done a... a a good job of really clarifying that, which by the way, I am happy about, uh, cause I, I have, I've previously mentioned this on the show before. I, th I think that was a valid complaint. Not, I'm not saying in the legal sense, but just, I, I agree that that was a thing that, uh, Tesla was doing that was not great. I, I like now that they have amended that and they're showing the actual retail price in a, in a really clear and concise way. So now, the other thing, the gallery as the fifth location, this part of the complaint. I, I'm going to be honest. I think that one could be a problem for Tesla in a courtroom. I'm not saying that the Jersey car dealers are right and the Tesla's wrong, and I'm not saying the opposite of that either. But in the eyes of a court, when you can't technically order or test drive at the gallery, but you can be there, you could be on your phone and be ordering the car with the, the Tesla salesperson or gallery employee there to answer your questions. I could honestly, I could see that one if it's argued by a good lawyer being potentially a problem for, for Tesla again in a court of law there. So I hope not. I certainly hope it's not going to be a problem, but we will see about that. So boy, wow. I've been talking for quite a while. Uh, time for a quick break. That is all of the news, the major news this week. But I am far from done. Stick around. A bunch of your awesome Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls are coming up right after this.
Time for your calls here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline portion of the show. Your comments, your questions, your discussion topics as they relate to the world of Tesla. You can participate in one of two easy ways, and I invite you, I welcome you to do so. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record a question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And then you can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Hi, Daisy, as uh, she drinks and shakes off. You're awake? All right. Uh, You can dial in toll-free anytime. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know somebody with a, uh, somebody special, that is, with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick things off with James from Sudbury, Ontario, who has some new additions to his life and has a thought about that. James, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Um, In September of last year, my wife and I took delivery of our brand new Model 3, and less than a month later, my wife delivered our brand new baby boy. Two amazing deliveries and one really exciting year. All that to say that we are enjoying our Tesla from the vantage point of new parents, and I had a baby-related idea for the car, and I just wanted to throw it out to the community. Our little dude's always facing backwards in his car seat, and we can see him in a mirror mounted to the headrest. I think it'd be really awesome if we could connect a generic USB webcam to the car mounted just above the mirror and be able to pull it up on the screen in the same way we view the rear-view camera. Love to know your thoughts and idea, and uh, really enjoying the show. I like that idea. I mean, why not, right? There wouldn't be any safety issue, I wouldn't think, and that could indeed be really helpful for parents of babies in rear-facing child seats. Good thinking, James. Hopefully somebody at Tesla hears this. Let me go next to Cameron right here in San Francisco, responding to a caller from last week, uh, or maybe the week before. I don't know. It's <laughs> When you do a show every week, it can be kind of tough to remember which callers were from which weeks. But anyway, uh, responding to the caller who was talking about window tinting affecting the auto-dimming mirrors. Here is Cameron. Hey, Ryan. This is Cameron from San Francisco, California. I'm calling because uh, somebody had called in last week with a concern about their window tint uh, affecting their visibility uh, due to Tesla's automatic uh, mirror dimming, uh, that mirror dimming feature. So um, this was a pretty easy fix for me. I have about uh, 15% on the back window and 20% uh, on the side windows. And so it was a problem, but the fix was very quick. I just went to um, the, uh, I just opened up by twisting the, um, rear view mirror that's uh, just below the uh, A-pillar. Um, so that mirror, when you, if you twist it, I think it's to the left, uh, you can actually pop it out and there's one wire in there. If you disconnect that wire, it actually turns off auto-dimming for not only that mirror, but also the two side side mirrors as well. So I hope that helps whoever uh, has that issue. And uh, I definitely recommend it as it is much safer to drive without that uh, auto-dimming. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Cameron. That is a nice homebrew fix right there. Now, Note that I cannot officially endorse popping things out and unplugging things in your car, but if you've got the stomach for it, 
then Cameron has got you covered. Thanks so much for the very constructive suggestion there, Cameron. It'll get the job done. Let's head over to the UK and talk to Nick, who wanted to comment on a, uh, a major magazine review out there of the Model 3. Go ahead, Nick. Hi, Ryan. It's Nick from sunny Cheshire in the United Kingdom. The Autocar magazine is one of the, or if not the oldest car magazine in the world, and they recently got their hands on a Model 3 Standard Range Plus and put it through their full road test. They liked the car a lot, had a lot of positive things to say about it, but one of the things uh, that they did say was that the car lacked refinement compared to its similarly priced competition, and as a result they only gave it four stars rather than the full five. So my question for you is, do you think that uh, Tesla should be doing something about this themselves? I see that there are a lot of third-party kits out there on the market to seal the doors or add extra sealing to the panoramic sunroof. And I think that uh, this is all good, but as a person who's looking to maybe buy a Model 3, it's a bit concerning to be putting on third-party kits which might have unintended consequences like blocking the sunroof drains or whatever. So uh, should Tesla be doing something about this themselves? And I'll just throw it out there. Could they have a, say, $500 service center applied option where the service center puts on an official Tesla extra ceiling kit to improve the refinement? After all, one of the key advantages that you should expect from electric over internal combustion engines is that the cars should be quieter. Great to hear your thoughts. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for your call, Nick. I feel like there are no wrong answers here. You can make a strong case for either. Yes, Tesla should be putting a good bit more effort in on interior refinement and things like soundproofing. Or no, the cars are great and Tesla should invest their energy elsewhere because they're selling just fine as they are. I, I have to say personally, I lean a little more towards the latter. Um, I mean, do I have a bit of wind noise on my Model 3? Yes, I do. Does it bother me? Eh, not especially. Do I want Tesla to always be improving? Absolutely. And indeed, Tesla does refine the cars week after week, month after month. Uh, so hopefully what you're after will happen slowly and organically over time through improved build quality, improved fit and finish, and learnings from prior weeks and months of assembly. I mean, I, I'd actually be curious... So my car is now just over a year old. I have a, a 55,000 series VIN, and I was just uh, talking to somebody today who, had, who was in the uh, 457,000, I think, series. So it's, you know, I, I would almost, I'd be curious to, to ride in or drive a, a, a Model 3 built now uh, around, you know, here, now that's like, 400,000 cars later, basically, to see if there are any if obvious differences in sort of the, that stuff between, between mine and a new one. But anyway, thank you, Nick, for your call. Let's go to New York. Bob from Rome, New York, re responding to my uh, little concern I was voicing about, about my range drop. Go ahead, Bob. Ryan, this is Bob from Rome, New York. On this week's podcast, you were mentioning the sudden decrease in mileage when charging to your set point, but didn't remember when you got your last upgrade. You can go to Teslafy and check under fleet and your software upgrades. 
It tells you when each upgrade was downloaded. Take care and happy Tesla ring. Bye. Thank you, Bob. This is one of those ones I don't have a lot to add to. Just to say, a few people wrote me about this, in fact. So, uh, yeah, it seems like a neat way that you can track your rated range over time. And I think, from what my understanding, Teslafy has a lot of other little neat features in it, too. So, uh, thank you, Bob. Thank you to everybody who, who wrote in kind of with that, on that similar sentiment. Let me go to Portugal now, talk to Lorenzo. We're bouncing all over the globe today. Uh, also responding to my range decrease concern. Go ahead, Lorenzo. Hey, Ryan. It's Lorenzo from Portugal. I was just listening to the latest episode where you're talking that uh, the spirit of adventure um, lost some of its uh, range uh, after a software update. I'm currently on the 2019 32.1, which I think you probably are too. And the same thing happened to me. Um, I, I noticed it when I was doing a, a road trip and I had to charge to 100. And usually uh, the, the range would always say, the car would always say 499 kilometers. Um, so at this particular supercharging uh, session, it stopped at 100, but at 490, which is a considerable... Um, loss since it's around two percent and it got me a little bit worried so but i also thought it could be the 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 software update so afterwards i charged a couple more times even though i didn't charge up to 100 um there's an app called stats which tells you what the range would be and it's now gone up a little bit uh up to 495 so i recovered half of what i had lost supposedly so i haven't um drained the battery down to 10 or something like that yet some people say to do that and charge up to 100 to to recalibrate the battery um but i'm but i'm guessing that it has to do something with the software um so yeah i'll keep you posted on on how it's going and uh i'll let you know thank you for the podcast love the show been listening since the unveil of the Model 3 uh, for three years, three and, some, three and a half years now. Uh, and it's been great. It's a great resource for information, and uh, I recommend it to all Tesla owners that I, that I meet along the way. Great job. Thank you, Ryan. See you next time. Thank you, Lorenzo. Uh, yeah, a lot of people called in about this, which, again, I appreciate. You know, the battery does degrade a bit over time, particularly in the early part of the car's life. So, That much didn't startle me. It was the literal overnight drop. As I said, charging to 80% went from 240, 241, down to 230 in like one night, it seemed like. So that's what got me nervous about it. Now, I've got a road trip coming up to LA in the month of October. So that's going to be a good opportunity for me to try and drain it down real low and then charge it back up really high. Uh, thank you again, Lorenzo. And thanks to, again, all of you that called in about this, your, your help, your advice, your uh, encouragement, super, super appreciated. Josh from Mississippi is up next talking about his model three on the interstate. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Ron, it's Josh from Mississippi, model three owner. Uh, I'm currently traveling on the interstate in autopilot. And I noticed something the other day that I kind of wanted to bring up and see if you noticed it. Uh, so 
one thing I noticed is when I use the windshield wiper fluid, uh, for whatever reason, uh, it just goes everywhere. So, like, it goes on the side of the car, it goes on the mirror. If I actually open the front, I'll notice that there's some windshield washer fluid residue underneath there. And while I think Teslas are really well designed, um, that one part seems a little off. So I don't know if anyone else has experienced this or it's just me. So let me know. Hey, Josh. You know, I wonder if you just got an extra aggressive windshield washer pump or something. I do use mine from time to time, but mine doesn't create nearly the excess mess that you're describing. Then again, maybe yours is normal and mine is unusually, uh, for lack of a better term, calm. But for what it's worth, I haven't seen any threads about this pop up online and anywhere in the community, so I'm not sure if this is a widespread thing, but either way, uh, thanks for calling in, and and I guess it's not the worst problem to have, but I can definitely see how, how it would be a bit annoying. Damon in Illinois, up next, a Model X owner, and wants to uh, give some advice to future owners uh, of uh, maybe S or X that, that may be buying used. Go ahead, Damon. Hey, Ryan. This is Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois again. Just want to do a bit of a public service announcement. I have a 2016 Model X 75D, and I just got it uncorked. For those who don't know, this was a big story a couple of years ago that uh, Tesla found that their software was a little conservative, and they were able to dial up the performance through an update, either at their service center or through a technician, and you ended up with a faster SRX. This was specifically for the 75D variants, but uh, it was for free. And uh, in my case, it ended up being a uh, zero to 60 improvement of a little over a second. It takes it from six seconds down to 4.8 seconds, which is a really significant improvement. It really changes the way the car drives and feels. So I uh, just want to put that out there for anyone who might be getting used 75Ds uh, or 60s, you can upgrade the battery to a 75D and get this free performance upgrade. So um, that put me in mind of the recent news about the Plaid mode for SX and Roadster and the promise that Elon made back in the day about ludicrous mode for the performance Model 3 and that that might make it back into the works. The question is whether it's going to be a software upgrade like this uncorking or if it's going to be a hardware upgrade on newer Model 3s that are coming off the factory line. Curious your thoughts on this. As always, really appreciate all you do. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Damon. Well, you heard me address the ludicrous Model 3 idea, uh, what, last week, I think? So shout out to Darren from Washington, D.C., by the way, who also called in on that exact topic. But let me thank you, seriously, for the PSA on the uncorkings for the smaller battery S and X. I had figured that all of these got done already, some way, somehow, whether they were turned into turned in Tesla or the just every owner already did it. But I appreciate your call because you're right. There could very well be used buyers of those vehicles that, for whatever reason, may not have had the upgrade done yet. Maybe they're buying used from an owner that just for whatever reason never got the uncorking done. Maybe they just didn't, you know, they weren't super plugged into the community or to, and they just kind of, you know, maybe it just passed them by or that, you know, they didn't, they didn't care about the added performance and never got it done. So 
Uh, yes, thank you very much for this. Note two, by the way, and it just as a PS to this PSA, the, the, the uncorking does have to be done at a service center, but as Damon said, it is totally free. So well worth a trip to a service center if you find yourself at the, uh, at the opportunity to have that done. Down to Australia and talking to Joe, who has a question about a particular Tesla facility. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, Ryan. This is Joe from over here in Australia. I'm just interested to know, a couple of months ago, there was quite a bit of information uh, circulating around the facility down in Lathrop uh, and uh, what that facility might be used for. There was uh, a lot of, uh, obviously, money spent on refurbishment, uh, getting it ready for operations. And I'm just keen to know if uh, there's any word on if that facility is in use, what it's being used for, and is it uh, possible that it would be used for assembly of something maybe like the semi-truck? Thank you. Great show. Keep up the good work. I am more than happy to help here, Joe. So Lathrop is a parts distribution facility. It is not for assembly. It's a massive parts warehouse here in the Bay Area that facilitates all the service centers. I believe all of them out in the Western U.S. I'm not 100% on that, but yeah, it is a very, very large distribution center. So hope that helps. Thank you for calling in. A few more calls. Let's go to Brad in Knoxville, Tennessee, Model S owner, and has a, uh, a question about a feature in his car. Go ahead, Brad. Hey, Ryan. This is Brad calling from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, really appreciate all you do on the podcast. I'm in a 2018 vintage Model S. And my question is regarding climate control. I've got two kids. They sit in the backseat normally. And um, often one or both of them make a comment here during the summer months that the air conditioning isn't blowing so well. And we've tried different things like closing one or two of the vents up front or obviously going to manual mode. We can blast the fans. But it seems to be that, um, especially on bright sunny days, we've got the all glass roof that it's been a little tough to balance the temperature front to back in the car, um, even though we've got dual mode, I guess, left and right. So just curious if you or any of the listeners had tips on how to make it a better experience for folks in the back seat who may have a tendency to get a little hot. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, Brad. You know, the one thing I've noticed that helps, though I'm not sure that this is, would apply to the second row vents, is to make sure that your air conditioning setting is set to blowing in your face only, not your face and feet. I've seen that make a noticeable difference up front, but again, I'm not sure if that would make any real difference in the back, but if you haven't already tried that, I would encourage you to give that a try. Thanks for calling in. Two more calls. Let's stay in Tennessee right now and talk to our old friend Ron from Nashville about autopilot phantom braking. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, Ryan. Ron from Nashville. Calling in uh, with a comment about on episode 215 about autopilot and abrupt braking. We go on a fair amount of road trips, and uh, I use autopilot almost all the time I can uh, in my daily driving as well. And this problem I've noticed seems to occur when there's a bridge in the distance or a large object either on the side of the road like a large tree that just popped out of nowhere or uh, a semi 
on the right or the left in the next lane, uh, something to that effect. And I think this started happening after um, those accidents, um, especially the one with the truck running into the truck. Uh, and so I think that what the problem is is a balance between safety and making it stop when there's a large object in front of you um, and, and setting and making it so that, uh, for example, a bridge won't trigger it. And that might be a difficult task. Now, that's pure speculation. I'm not a programmer. It's just simple observations. But uh, those are the things that I, I think I've noticed. I, I haven't documented it, but I, I seem to have noticed some correlation there between um, large objects, including bridges, and 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 the, the abrupt braking. Now, as soon as my car does it, I might, and even if I see those things in the distance, my foot's on the gas and ready to override it. Um, I already do that when cars cross in front of me at red lights, for example, or are slowing down to turn because the car seems to slow more than it needs to. Um, you know, that's one of the things that over time you have to learn the nuances of autopilot and, and really treat it as a, a driver assist mode that you need to learn all these limitations and potential flaws. Um, and it takes some time. So it's, I don't think it's an easy task, but they are doing a great job at making it better and better as time goes on. Uh, and I love the effort. I love the car and I love autopilot. Never thought I did. As you know, I had a, a pre-autopilot car where I thought, I didn't need autopilot, but now that I have it, I absolutely love it. So anyway, my two cents, I don't know if it's legit, but um, bridges do seem to be the big one on the interstate. Thanks a lot. Uh, love the show. As always, take care. Bye. Thank you, Ron. I do that too. Uh, overpasses seem to be a spot that triggers it sometimes as well, although I think that might have been what you meant when you said bridges, but um you know, and I'm not sure about your theory about the timing of it, but it is entirely possible. We do know for a fact that autopilot was changed to be a radar first, camera second system after the Josh Brown fatality that you mentioned. So it is possible. And as always, I appreciate your thoughtful calls. Let's close out last and certainly not least with another old friend, regular caller, Lawton from Chicago, commenting on the pickup truck. He's got the Tesla truck on his mind. Go ahead, Lawton. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to comment on the upcoming Tesla pickup announcement in November. The biggest question for me is, what is the wheelbase of the new Tesla pickup? The Model X wheelbase is about 117 inches. The Ford F-150 is 122 inches. A longer wheelbase will allow it to act as a platform not only for the pickup, but vans as well, which could of course be called the Model V. Mostly how the Model 3 platform is shared with the Model Y, this will tell us to spread out the cost of the Tesla pickup development across multiple vehicle types. Open new markets for delivery vehicles and an 8-person or more van will go a long way towards fulfilling Tesla's mission statement of advancing sustainable energy and transport. Replacing inefficient, polluting gas fans at their worst with stop-and-go city traffic or deliveries with new Tesla vans will go a long way towards improving the environment for us all. If the Tesla pickup starts at $50,000, the Model V could start at $55,000 or $60,000. With a much lower operating cost for maintenance and energy compared to an ICE van, the Model V could be a game-changer. Hopefully, dreams of many, including Tom from Chicago, 
of a Model V announcement comes true in November. Please bring your tape measure to the unveil for us. Thanks for your continued dedication and passion in supporting the Tesla family. Look forward to your thoughts. I think a van on the same platform is possible, Lawton, but I'll be honest, I think it's unlikely, at least in the near term, and here's why. I just don't think Tesla's going to have the bandwidth. I mean, they tend to work on only one or two things at a time, and I know they've said they want to change that and be able to multitask more, but they're, they've got a lot on their plate right now, and the design of the pickup's going on now. And then the uh, production of the Y, I mean, 2021, I think, is the earliest that we could expect to see production begin on the, the pickup truck. Might even be 2022. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about by near term. I think a van would have to come in 2023 or later, not only production-wise, but Tesla's going to have to find time to design and engineer it and and uh, build an, a you know ready an assembly line for it. Remember, too, there's one other thing here I wanted to point out, which I know this has kind of been almost lost to a brief footnote of history, but Elon Musk more or less announced a minibus built on uh, the Model X platform, but quickly scrapped it. Like, it went away very, very quickly. So Elon has been down this road before and then decided to just take a different road. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, battery production, I'll say, is another potential issue here. By the time the pickup truck is out, Tesla will be making the Model 3 in high volume, the Model Y in high volume, plus the pickup truck in, hopefully, high volume on that that vehicle as well. So then you still have the S, you still have the X. You got to, okay, just a couple of Roadsters, but each Roadster gobbles up 200 kilowatt hours worth of battery packs, uh, worth of battery capacity per car. So Tesla is going to have to scale up Gigafactory production quite a bit in order to be able to add a Model V, as you so uh, aptly put it, on top of that. But don't get me wrong. I hope it happens. I'd love to see it. I'm just a little, I just feel like their plate's a little full for a while, but we'll see. That's everything in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Thanks to all of you for calling in. Again, I I welcome your calls. I invite you to participate in the show. You can call in one of the two fairly easy and convenient ways that I mentioned at the top of the segment. And one final note before I take a quick break and move on. Todd from Cleveland. If you're out there, Todd, I got your call, but it totally broke up, like to the point where couldn't play it on the air, and I couldn't even quite fathom what you were getting at. So it happens, no big deal. Uh, if you would like to call in again and try again, feel free. But uh, just wanted to float that out there so that Todd doesn't feel like he's being ignored. That'll do it for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I'll be right back with the activities I've been up to in the spirit of adventure, what's going on with my car, and the pro tip of the week, and then some parting thoughts right after this. Hey, so a quick thing going on with my car that I'm curious if this has been happening to anybody else. Now, I I do want to preface this by saying I just got V10, so hopefully this bug is squashed, and maybe this is a totally moot point, but the last couple of versions prior to 10, I have had a bug with easy entry where uh, it, you know, I put my foot on the brake, 
to get, you know, get ready to, to get driving. And the, the steering wheel moves into position, but not, but the, the seat stays back and down in its easy entry position. And it's super annoying because sometimes I'll, I'll like park, open the door from where I'm sitting, close it. And sometimes, sometimes I have to like, uh, get out of the car. It's, it, and it seems like it's, uh, kind of tough to squash once it happens. Curious if that happens to anybody else. Uh, also, I wanted to share a quick, just awful Tesla thing that I saw that um, I, I'm sure the odds of this actually being someone in my audience is extremely small, but you never know. Uh, so I was I was down at near, well, right at City Hall here in San Francisco earlier this week in the evening. And when I came out of this event and I was walking back to the parking garage where I'd left my car. So I'm walking on the street and I look, uh, look over and I see, you know, cars down here, they're parallel parked on the side of the street. And there is a car that, uh, has been, the back end's been crunched and then, uh, by a model three. The back, but the, the the thing is, it wasn't the Model Three. A car had rammed the Model Three from behind while it was parallel parked, crunched, crushed its back end in, and 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 then you know sent it forward, crunching into the back of the next car in front of the the Model Three, beautiful white Model Three, and so the the, the Model Three had. I mean, I feel bad for everybody in this situation, but this is a Tesla podcast. I, you know, I'm, I, my heart just sank when I saw the Tesla, the front and back of it completely crunched. You know, there was obviously there was nobody in the car, no, seemingly nobody hurt. I don't, I mean, I don't know about the driver of the car that did it. I was walking by and I looked over, and then another a, a person walking by said claimed that it was. A, a police chase and the guy, the the, per, the person, I don't know if it's a guy, the person slammed into the back of the Tesla. So I, I don't know if that person is correct or not, but uh, either way, I just, I, I was, I felt so bad for the Model 3 owner in particular because, you know, it's, it, I just put myself in those shoes. Like if I came back to my car and saw it com- just crunched on on both ends i i would just be i would be so heartbroken and so distraught i mean that's that's going to be a major body shop visit i mean the car is definitely not drivable while it waits for body repair the front end back ends were you know really you know the, the car is built to to crunch so that it 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 crunch it crunches itself instead of you getting crunched in the in the cabin you know so I just felt so bad for this, this, uh, just coming back to the car. I mean, Hey, better that they're not in it, I guess. So that there's no, you know, you're not, you're definitely not injured if you're not in the car, but man, walking back to your car and seeing that just be, just be the worst. So, um, I, uh, I hope that never happens to anybody in my audience. All right. Uh, happier note, pro tip of the week. Let's go to Darcy in Pennsylvania with a, a um, if you're into cleaning, if you like to keep your car clean, here's a good tip from Darcy. Yes, uh, this is Darcy up in Pennsylvania, and I had a pro tip I wanted to share. Um, this has to do with the brake rotors, and brake rotors have a tendency to create rust spots 
after they get wet or when the car gets washed, especially when they're not used very often, which is the case when you're in a Tesla. Uh, what I would recommend is anytime after a rain or you wash the car, you simply set your regen to the low. You want to drive up to 50 to 60 miles per hour. Uh, make sure no one is behind you and come down on your brakes hard a couple of times. This will allow the pads to clean the rust from the rotors. And if you keep your rotors clean, you won't end up with pulsating rotors eventually as the rust embeds itself into the metal. Uh, just a pro tip, it seems to be more inherent on a Tesla, obviously, because you rarely use the brakes. And uh, I just wanted to give you that pro tip. Thanks. Darcy, thank you very much for that. You definitely sound like you know quite a bit about the world of brakes. So good stuff right there. Uh, if you want to send in a pro tip of the week, again, something that you've discovered, who knows? For all I know, there might be some cool little Easter eggs hiding in version 10. So if you find one of those, or if there's just anything about your car that's not covered in the manual, a little thing that uh, you might, might be of interest to your fellow Tesla owners, your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners, call in with it, and I would love to hear it. Uh, okay, so uh, Immaculate Reflections. I will promote them as usual, but first... I just want to wish Jeff from Immaculate Reflections and his wife just a, a very happy congratulations on the birth of their new baby girl. Mom and baby are doing great, so uh, congrats to the now larger Immaculate Reflections family. That is great stuff. If you are interested in uh, retaining the services of one of the most wonderful people and a, just a tremendous detailer here in the Bay Area to get your Tesla looking as pretty as it possibly can and help protect it and keep it looking that way, I encourage you to visit Immaculate Reflections. They're here in the Bay Area. Their website's irdetailing.com. Uh, you'll obviously want to go there and email Jeff to see what his schedule is going to be like. He, he not only books up, but now he's got a new baby at home. So, um, I mean, mo most detailers I've encountered because I ended up, I had to use somebody else for my window tinting. I used OC detailing. They were great. They booked way up. I had to book in advance. So I think, you know, the, the good detailers, they, uh, they are not just twiddling their thumbs waiting for, for you to call. They are, <laughs> they've got business. So if you, uh, if you're, if you, you know, try to plan for it is all I'm saying. The guy's just had a new kid. And so get in there. But the good news is if you do go visit Jeff and Immaculate Reflections, he's got those deals for you. A hundred dollars off any ceramic coating or paint protection film package, unless that is you're doing a full body paint protection film on your Tesla, in which case it's $250 off, and there is an additional discount if you are an active or retired military member. Just uh, let Jeff know and you know, show him your military ID, and he will, uh, he will show you a little extra bit of a discount there. So again, irdetailing.com. What else? Uh, I mentioned my Instagram and Twitter already on the show, so no need to repeat that. The Jada wireless charging pad and or the Jada USB hub with that cool like magnetic hidden dummy door to hide your your sentry mode, you know, your dash cam USB stick. So whether you're if you're interested in either of those products, the wireless charging, I mean, the, the new iPhone just came out. And so if you upgraded, you know, maybe like my wife is on the seven or eight. I can't remember. She's on the last one that doesn't have 
the Qi uh, wireless charging capability. So all the new iPhones do, and I'm sure most of the Androids probably do all, I'm sure as well. So if, yeah, if, you, if you've just upgraded from a phone that, that could not do wireless charging to one that can, and you've got a Model 3, well, why not grab the, the Jada wireless charging pad? It is awesome. I mean, it's, you know, it's not cheap, let's be honest. It's 100 bucks, but you buy it once, and you that's it. You're buying it once for the life of your car. So I don't have a discount to offer there, but I am a customer, and I am very happy with my wireless charging pad. And again, total honesty, if you... If you buy one with the referral link that I'm about to give you, they float me a couple bucks as a as a you know a little thank you for for uh, you having found them through this pod uh, this podcast. So the link there is getjada.com. That's J E D A. Getjada.com/slash/ref/slash/8. And if you ever forget that. It's in the show notes along with some other, you know, the, the, the Ride the Lightning hotline number and all the sort of the relevant info that I throw at you each and every week. But anyway, uh, Patreon is the primary and most awesome way that you can support this podcast and my efforts with it above and beyond simply listening to it. So if that's something, if you feel that I've earned your additional support via Patreon, uh, then you can learn more about the Patreon and the, the sort of perks available to you at the different support tiers. All of that is on Patreon, on well, on my, on my Patreon page specifically, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you're curious, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, I want to say an extra special thank you to a couple of new, well, Two new and one returning Patreon producer jumping in. Uh, these folks supporting, new, newly supporting at the producer tier, which means they basically get all the cool perks that I offer, and I want to give them a, a big thank you. So, Evitricity UK, thanks to those uh, folks there, and Will Stedman, thank you very much, Will, and then Scott Gillis, who had been in the producer tier of support for a while, and now he is back. Scott, thank you very much for uh, for continuing to support my efforts here on the show. And thanks to the other Patreon producers as well. You may know them very well by now because uh, <laughs> I read their names every week. That's one of the perks they get. Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, uh, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A. Uh, Luke, by the way, I owe you a, a phone call. Let's get that set up. Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Josh, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, and Dennis Peak. Thank you all very, very much for your continued support. And hey, before I go, a quick shout out, a, a thank you to Antonio and Hector from Lake Elsinore, California. You may uh, recognize Antonio from Lake Elsinore, a regular caller. 
he was in town uh, for, just in San Francisco and, and was kind enough to reach out and say, hey, I'd love to meet you. love to get together. We, we met at uh, the awesome craft brewery near my office, which is called 21st Amendment. I highly recommend the Hell or High Watermelon wheat beer that's infused with watermelon. It's excellent. It is seasonal, though. It's uh, Now that we're heading into October, it's about to go away. It's sort of a, a baseball season beer. Anyway, um, so thank you, Antonio and Hector. Great to meet you guys in person. And then uh, Edu. Gosh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's <laughs> sort of... But uh, Edu from Spain, all the way from Spain, out here on business here in San Francisco. Great to meet you. Uh, great to, to spend some time with you and and again share a share a beer. It's uh, it's again it's it's so humbling and flattering and just it's heartwarming to me to to act that that any of you would actually want to meet me and spend time with me. I mean I know you 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 spend time with me in the sense of listening to the podcast, but that you would actually want to you know meet me in real in real life and say hello. It's uh it's it's really it's it's very special to me and I, I really appreciate it. I've I've been lucky now. I, I've met a number of people who've kind of come through town, a lot a number of Ride the Lightning listeners, and it's fun every time. You know, I, I do my best to to make time for it. You know, it can be tough during the week, dependent, but you know, it's uh, usually works out. So um yeah, really I feel really um really blessed to have yeah, just just met, you know, met a few of you this week. That was this was great. So Anyway, a um, little, little warm and fuzzies to end the show, right? Always feels good. It's a warm and fuzzy podcast. What can I say? I, the, the world has enough negativity in it. Uh, there's certainly plenty of, of forces trying to, trying to drown Tesla in negativity, and that's just not what I'm about. I mean, the whole point of this podcast, which I've said before, but I don't say it explicitly very often, but... You know, yeah, I'm here because I'm enthusiastic about this stuff. I love the, this company's cars. I love their mission. I love what they're doing. And I'm excited about it. And I enjoy, I love talking about it, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, that's just, you know, hey, I'm a fa- I am a fanboy. I, I try to be fair and critical when necessary. But I, you know, I want to, I want this to be an hour that you can just, Share that enthusiasm with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to, I, I, you know, I try to avoid negativity wherever possible. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable, you know, think, but it's by and large, this is, this is going to be an hour of shared joy and enthusiasm for, uh, I guess this week more than an hour, but <laughs> it's, it's a, it's going to be a happy fun time. That's always my goal with it. So thank you all very much for listening, for spending an hour plus of your week with me each and every week. As you all know, uh, it is a point of pride of mine that I bring you a podcast every Sunday at exactly 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific. Though if you, you know, again, if you end up deciding to to support me on Patreon, you can get a little earlier, and that's one of, your, one of the optional perks available to you. But in any case, uh, thank you all once again for another great week of Tesla news for a, wow, she is, that is a comfortable looking passed out puppy over there. For Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, this was Ride the Lightning episode 217. I wish you happy electric motoring 
and I'll see you next week. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Before I go, I totally forgot I heard from Abstract Ocean. They've got a few new products they wanted me to mention. They're on to their third-generation tempered glass screen protector, so it is apparently just now an absolute perfect fit, and it ships with an installation frame, so it makes it super-duper easy to align. Also, they tell me that they've got a uh, big seller is, and they, they don't cost much, Sentry mode stickers to put on that back quarter window where the ne'er-do-wells tend to smash and reach in. Uh, that you, it's a sentry mode sticker to let them know, hey, uh, there's a there's a camera here. You're being recorded. Uh, those are apparently pretty popular. And then also door button stickers. You know, because you you have to explain to everybody who's in your car how to get out. So uh, yeah, it, this it's another big seller. And he mentions even. If if you're in the if you're a Lyft or Uber or rideshare driver with your Tesla, you know it's it's an easier way to you know you don't have to necessarily tell people every time to how to get get in and out of your car. So if that's something that's of interest to you for that, or just for your regular passengers, you know if you've got different people coming in and out of your car and you're tired of explaining, oh no, hit the top button to get out of the car. They've got little stickers to go over the door buttons, plus all the usual stuff, the lighting kits, all that abstractocean.com uh, and then remember that that discount code that they continue to offer kindly to the listeners of this podcast it's RTL podcast is the discount that will get you uh, what is it 15% off of your very very first order so with that in mind now I'm really done I promise 15 <laughs> that's, that's it happy electric motoring my friends and for real see you next week I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.